0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. Still unnamed, but that is all right. We're still working on that. The marketing department has not yet been able to find any sort of branding that properly reflects what these episodes actually are. But before I continue, I'm going to quickly read out the memo that was sent to us via the HR department, and it says uh, this. According to a recent poll, 30% of the current employees of the company identify themselves as undead. This shouldn't be a problem unless, of course, it's zombies. In that case, it would be very, 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 very bad. As you move freely throughout the office, make sure you have your requisite ID badge and your company-sanctioned vial of holy water. Signed, the HR department. And those guys and gals in the HR department are just so hardworking and... You know, it it was probably cost the the company a pretty penny to to get all that holy water, especially since they fired our in house priest, so they would have had to outsource that. So, uh, I am joined this episode by Mitch. Say hello, Mitch. Hi. <laughs> Guess who's missing his holy water? <laughs> oh, oh no! You got to find that. I, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, it's I, gone. <laughs> oh no! I, I uh, there was an incident on my way over here and uh there's a an employee named clyde and i swear he looked like a zombie and i threw the water on him um and it didn't really do anything it sort of glistened so you just sw- splashed water on our friend
1: our uh, co-worker.
0: He's, he's not my friend so i didn't feel super bad Your acquaintance. He just looks. He's just sort of a slack jawed guy who's very big (laughs) and sort of lumbers around. His foot's in a cast, so he's dragging it behind him, and he was like grunting a lot. Anyone would have made the same decision. All right, better safe than sorry. (laughs) Right. I mean, it's your life on the line. Exactly. And uh, while we're we're floating right now in zero g in what appears to be some sort of a space or galaxy themed. Kitchen, and I stumbled in here off the food court. Can you explain what the heck this place is? so I'm not
1: really the person to ask, unfortunately. so this is the cosmic kitchen. Um, I'm just a team lead here, so like i've I've put in my blood, sweat, and tears, and I've been promoted um, i'm a, I'm above certain other employees, but I ain't management, so I still don't know where we get our ingredients. I don't know why this room is in zero-G,
0: but... I don't understand. I can't read the labels on any of the ingredients. It's all written in some sort of an alien script. Oh, don't worry about it. It's like Orbesh or something. I don't know. okay. Well, everybody knows what time it is. It's time for everyone's favorite part of the show real or fake batman villains all right so i have got in in front of me a (laughs) list of batman villains and then i also have some of my own thrown in there and it will be your job to try and determine whether or not these are real are you ready i i will try i am quite i am
1: I wouldn't say I'm the biggest Batman fan, but I think I know enough to be able to do good at this.
0: All right. Let's start with number 1. Birthday boy. No. <laughs> that's real. No. <laughs> All righty, moving right along. Oh, that's <laughs> Number 2. Onomatopoeia. Um no. <laughs> also real what
1: the heck okay hold on (laughs) time out (laughs) look calendar man is a
0: thing right (laughs) oh trust me i already passed calendar man but i knew that everybody knows calendar man yeah but like you can't have calendar man and birthday boy or whatever (laughs) (laughs) like birthday boy i don't think it has anything to do with actual days i think it's just a guy a creepy serial killer who has a party hat and a burlap sack on i think that's it
1: Okay, that actually sounds kind of (laughs) creepy.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is. And onomatopoeia is great because uh, his victims are superheroes that have no superpowers. So Batman, Green Arrow have been targets for this villain. He only speaks in onomatopoeias like click, pow, thud, etc. He came up against Batman a few more times than Green Arrow and lost. What's more interesting about this villain is that he is created by writer and director Kevin Smith.
1: Wait, so do the words that he... like the onomatopoeias he says out loud is that like his powers
0: can he be like like bamf and then like teleport i'm not gonna lie it says nothing about that so i think i don't think so i think he just speaks i think it's probably like a a riff off of just the ridiculous onomatopoeia like noises that are in comics so it's it's a character that only speaks in onomatopoeias bam i'm gonna hit you with yeah he doesn't have any like superpowers and so he goes up against people who also have no superpowers, which, by the way, I fundamentally disagree with saying that Batman has no superpowers. Fundamentally. Like, I'm sorry, but he he is pushed so far beyond human limits of everything. I mean, come on. Anyone who can astral project is not a normal human. You
1: know? <laughs> That's an interesting conversation, right? Because, like, what <laughs> constitutes a superpower because there's tons of heroes that don't have powers quote-unquote that are still wholeheartedly considered superhuman i mean anybody
0: who can do a backflip off a wall and kick someone in the face i mean just like ice cold like not expecting it you get to a certain level of acrobatic ability i'm just gonna call you a superhero because i mean that's not normal (laughs) number three dr freak i'm pretty sure dr freak is real actually you are correct dr freak is real yeah super powerful <laughs> version of lsd that he uses on what? people <laughs> okay i didn't know that <laughs> yeah he's a former vietnam soldier and uh he just uses lsd on people and he's dressed like uh he should be part of the album cover of one of the Beatle albums all right let's try number four johnny karaoke uh um... real or fake I think that's just
1: ridiculous enough to be real. It's absolutely real. Oh, man. Are all these real? Is this just like a trick <laughs> trick segment? <laughs> uh, flamingo. Okay, that might be fake, actually.
0: Real. Oh. <laughs> man dressed in pink who rides a pink motorcycle uses a whip. Uh, let's see. There's more to the character than that. He's a serial killer who eats people's faces. Huh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, uh, Batman has some dark villains, I swear. Uh, the darkest one yet, just just to get a load of emoticon man! Real or fake? Is this, like, a new one? <laughs> real or fake emoticon man? Uh, I'm gonna say fake, actually. This is real.
1: Oh, they're all real, aren't they?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see, this villain led his own gang that wore masks with emoticons on them, but, uh... They were no match for Alfred. Alfred beat beat this gang, so they weren't that good. And finally, let's get to some of the the real the ones where you're really not gonna be able to tell if this is something from the the abyss of my mind. Boot face. Real or fake? Real. It's that is be. real. They're all real. <laughs> you wanna know a fun fact about this one? Yeah. Bootface was once using a flamethrower and Batman kicked him in the face. That's his origin. He has Batman's footprint on his face. He has no powers or special abilities. He's just got a bootprint on his face. That's... <laughs> That's
1: just like a horrible identifying feature. Yeah, it's <laughs> like uh... it's just so much easier for G C P D to hunt him down.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't understand what some of these artists were smoking when they came up with these characters Um, Maybe they they had uh, dr. Freak in the writers room. I'm not sure Um, Let's see one last one Um,
1: Mrs.. Boxing Glove Real did you just fake? make that up? Is that pause just because you were thinking of an outrageous? That's not real. This is, a, this is
0: a very long list, and I have to keep scrolling. Real or fake, Mrs. Fake. What is it? Fake. You got one. Yeah! So that means you're one fake. One. You're you're released from the game. You won. You did it. Amazing. Some of these character costumes, man, like, can you imagine trying to cosplay as freaking, like, any of the, like, boot face, and then someone actually walking up and being like, oh my gosh, you're boot face? Imagine that some of these characters might actually be, like, kind of
1: threatening if, like, portrayed in the w- right way, though. Like, like the, the Arkham games would have so many, like, weird poles, especially, like, in the In City
0: and In Night. And, like,. <laughs> They're like weirdly scary. Like, I think. Would think it. <laughs> I think that's was one of the reasons why I loved the second Suicide Squad movie so much was because James Gunn just really leaned into the absurdity of some of these C-list villains.
1: Oh, I love that polka dot man is an actual thing. That yeah. People know about now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, I just really appreciate the fact that he just sort of leaned into like these absurd characters. But the thing that I really loved was the, I guess the, staying true to their costume designs, because I actually think that makes them more interesting and more fun. Because like you can that's, that's you can water down in. so many superheroes into just like really pathetic, like they just don't look interesting. Their personalities aren't interesting, and when you have like Marvel or DC, you have such a rich vault of characters, whether they're ridiculous or not, like some of them are just sort of cool and it's like i want to see that quirky superpower i'm tired of seeing like the standard superpowers i want to see someone with the the goofiest origin story with the goofiest power actually show up on screen and do something cool
1: (laughs) and that's kind of like what we're getting now like i feel like we're past like not just tied to mcu but just like in general we have covered all, like, the major bases already. We already have Captain America. We already have a wealth of Batman movies. We already have Iron Man, like, all the primary Avengers that people, you know, probably knew about. Now people most definitely know about them. And these movies are going to make bank, like, no matter what. Right. Like, Black Adam came out. And, like, not many people, like, I feel like, like, people know about black adam but not like to a captain america level you know right yeah and it's still making bank like <laughs> disney plus can make whatever show they want now about like whatever character like moon knight got a show and it's like oh i remember him from ultimate alliance back in like 2006 or something i he actually got, have. i got a
0: show i have the uh ps2 ultimate alliance game oh sick <laughs> that one of my favorite aspects about that was just the sheer number of playable characters like the the character selection screen is probably one of the coolest things in any game i've ever seen of just like seeing oh, all these marvel characters together in one screen just like i don't know it gave me chills i was just like there's so many heroes to play as and they're all just sort of standing next to each other it was just really cool i, I feel like that was my introduction to just how expansive
1: marvel was back yeah. in the day because like back in 2006 or 7 whenever that came out it was like spider-man i knew spider-man because of the raimi movies and then i knew like hulk because of like angley <laughs> and i knew like the fantastic four but then like outside of like those those were like the heavy hitters back then so seeing like all these other characters just in a line, like the character select screen was just them like in a fork, like they're just forming up, like they're just in a in a like a like a room, posing next to each other and I'm, that was my introduction to like Deadpool. I had never seen Deadpool until I played that game <laughs> and I was like, I always picked him because I was like, this guy is such a jerk <laughs> like, <laughs> like I can't believe he's saying all these things like he doesn't even act like a hero I didn't even know what a anti-hero was like back then like that just wasn't a thing for me
0: speaking of costumed heroes you 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 dabble a little bit into like would you would you say it's up to like cosplay like you do cosplay stuff every once in a while
1: so i call it closet cosplay okay Okay. (laughs) you i i'm not necessarily as crazy as to like make like foam props to like like mimic like armor and weapons and stuff like that um i don't have a 3d printer so i can't do really do that not yet i'm researching (laughs) not yet uh, i love that but uh i like uh doing things on a budget where i just take clothes and see if i can make those clothes into like an actual character that people recognize so you know it's like a a budget like under under a hundred dollar cosplay that will still you know get me attention at conventions and is comfortable to wear i'll tell you what cosplay things with pockets <laughs> that, that is the greatest thing
0: and zippers <laughs> yeah like, In case you have to use the bathroom
1: like i have a friend that like like constant like his his he's made like An Instagram-like social media career off of cosplaying Spider-Man. The reason he works out, the reason he got buff, was so he'd look better in a Spider-Man suit. And sometimes people in this cult of his forget (laughs) that you have to leave a zipper (laughs) in the crotch area. Otherwise, your convention might not be as fun.
0: (laughs) No, it's fine. You just don't drink anything. You just get more and more dehydrated. Dehydrate yourself. Man, that Spider-Man's moving real sluggish. <laughs> if you needs could one of those under that he, mask. <laughs> needs one of those freaking suits from Dune that recycles your body water.
1: That, oh my god, that's actually a great idea. That's a, that's a fantastic idea. Like, just Spider-Man needs a still suit.
0: Yeah, I mean, first okay. you have to invent one that wouldn't just be you drinking your own pee. Okay, Peter
1: Parker could invent that easily he just like sometimes superheroes come up with things that like just don't exist and they do it so casually they're like yeah i, I turned a watch into a web shooter and it's like what they're like yeah i got the material from a from a lab and it's like why did no one else do that like you
0: don't have to be spider-man to do that was there like, was there a favorite costume of yours that you did like a favorite cosplay cos, cos- cosplay of yours that you've done
1: um, So the one that got the most amount of attention was actually the one that I spent the least amount of effort on. <laughs> so, oh. I this cosplay took me just a couple days, like two or three days, uh-huh. and um, it was uh, I was getting ready for Fallout Four
0: okay. uh,
1: back in the day, back in high school. <laughs> Did we say it was twenty? I think it's twenty fifteen. When, when, when did
0: when did that game come out? Twenty fifteen or twenty fourteen? One of those. No terms. way! No, yeah, w- I have to look this up on the terminal. Hold on. There's no way yet? it came out that many years ago. It's not possible. Twenty fifteen? Yeah. Holy You're smokes! An old man. We're both old people now. How is that game that old? <laughs> I don't know. That has been that long since they made a good game. I mean, it's been that long since they made Fallout Four. <laughs> now, now hold on a minute. Now, <laughs> now hold on just a minute. <laughs> but yeah, so, I was. What was your I was, costume?
1: I was excited for that game, and so I wanted to do something Fallout like topical. So um, I looked at like the retro futuristic aesthetic of that. Fallout, and. I was looking at like old school, like milkmen, people who would deliver milk to your doorstep. But instead, okay. I made it the drink, of, the Fallout drink of choice, Nuka Cola. So I was just. Oh. Yeah, I was a Nuka Cola delivery guy. So that's a fun just, twist. Yeah. So I got like white pants, a, a plain white button up, and like the milkman, like delivery cap, like a captain's hat and put little vault tech logo on it little nuca cola insignia above my chest pocket
0: and that was it <laughs> see that i see i like that though because you actually thought outside the box and didn't just like pick like a super easy just like i don't know like the fallout just a random vault dweller like you got the suit and that's it because like Everyone No shade that. thrown to people who do that but i appreciate the fact that you took the time to make something original but that people still would identify with that world and with that series even though it's a completely fresh new concept right
1: and it's not like it's not a superiority complex of like you know like i'm i'm too good for this costume that everyone's gonna do it's not like that at all it was literally just like like you know if i do that someone else is probably going to have it better <laughs> and i i just want to even if it's like you know using my limited abilities i just want to stretch my creativity as far as i can with the budget i have to like you know hopefully get noticed and other people can share that creativity
0: <laughs> i i need to start assembling like a list of things that i could like characters that i could easily cosplay like, I need to actually just start a running list of, like, whenever I see a character in, in media, be like, oh, I could absolutely do that. Like, that wouldn't I, be that I, difficult. I, I could see
1: you as, um, you ever seen Over the
0: Garden Wall? Yes, I love Over the Garden Wall! Okay, it's a great show. I love I, that that. That series is one of the best, like, complete pieces of media that I've come across within the last decade.
1: Oh, yeah, it tells a story, like... Beginning, middle, and end. It doesn't go on any longer than it has to. It's like perfect. It's all wrapped up in a bow. It ends a little quick, but I think they were self-aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I was looking into maybe cosplay, doing a classic cosplay for Wurt, and I was thinking, dude, how
0: could you, you do would. Oh my gosh, I just I feel now like you thought could of do that. It better, you would honestly. kill that. You would <laughs> you be can... a perfect Wurt. <laughs>
1: i almost did it for a halloween like either last year or the year before that would be so
0: cool you should
1: mm-hmm. absolutely do that it's easy <laughs> it's so easy and everyone's gonna recognize that like
0: <laughs> yeah it's a cool it's a cool costume i actually thought last year when it was introduced to me by my younger sister i thought about doing like a D one shot set in that sort of a world where all your players are kids in Halloween costumes lost in a fantastical wood. And it's that's, funny like, you the premise.
1: Actually, because my, uh, my girlfriend, Natalie, just did a one-shot for Halloween called, like, uh, Kids on Bikes. Okay. And it's all about... Uh, yeah, it's it's essentially like kids that in Halloween costumes that inherit the abilities of their costume. So like, That's literally
0: like what I thought would be cool to try. Yeah. So how did it
1: go? Uh, she said it went great. She had um, like one of their party mates did art of all their characters. <gasps> oh. and, and it was like a lot of fun. It was like not... D&D fifth edition like it was right. his own weird system that they were Homebrew. kind of like experimenting with it wasn't actually they, they I think they just found like a module for it online oh, cool and uh, Yeah, she said it went amazing.
0: She's like I'm sad. We can't play that more actually cuz it's like I, Halloween themed I love that theming of it's like a I don't know it's softer than a grim a Grimm's fairy tale much softer but I also appreciated the darker places that they were willing to go with it. And they didn't play it super safe as far as the creepiness or scariness factor. Because they did some
1: pretty spooky love things.
0: But I at love the same time,
1: shows like made for kids that yeah. like
0: don't give a crap about if they traumatize <laughs> kids, you know? Like you yeah. know what I'm talking about? Like... I, I I appreciated the fact that the rest, the tone of the show was such that when something scary or sad happened, it stood out. But at the same time, the rest of the show's overall vibe and feel is more upbeat. So you're not wallowing in that dark feeling the entire time. But it, since you have those moments, I feel that it, it enabled the show to go to places that other shows can't. Where the tone was I also just loved the like how it would flip things your expectations of what would happen um things where you think it's going to be dark and then it turns out to be fine I just I really like that and so as far as like so costume stuff back to like cosplaying stuff just curious because I know one of the few things I know about you if I was to make a list as far as things you like Mass Effect I know that you like Mass Effect. Have you ever done, like, a Mass Effect cosplay type thing? I
1: have not dabbled with Mass Effect cosplay because as much as I love it, like, I love it to the point where I've gotten a tattoo over it. Like, that's my level of investment. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, so it's like, you know, it's a good and evil scale. So or rather Paragon and Renegade in this, this case. So, you know, you get to choose what kind of hero you're going to be because you're always going to be the hero. Okay. Not, not necessarily good or evil. It's just, are you more hard-edged or are you more, like, diplomatic in the way mm. you approach things? So I view that a little bit like the yin and yang. So, okay. I got both symbols, like, connected, tattooed on my arm.
0: I was so, just going to ask, like, as far as that series, because I know that you really like that series, but what about it do you like so much like what's your attachment to it
1: um i think there's a lot of things i like about it like we could talk all day about like (laughs) world building and lore and like how great that is in mass effect we can just talk about pure aesthetics i just like the kind of sci-fi future it presents um you know i could say that how much fun it is to play it's a lot more active than most other like role-playing games, it's it feels more like a third-person shooter, and the third game especially, you know, kind of go nuts with like power combinations and like really active twitch shootery gameplay. Mm. So I appreciate the fact that it's a bit more cinematic and like actiony than most RPGs. But I think above anything else, it's the characters
0: the characters so it's like a very
1: character driven story
0: i love me a good character driven game any well any media really that's really like any media that's really character driven and like has good writing because i think that's one of the biggest things that i'd like notice between like games and movies and shows is just like the lack of good writing
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's hard to pinpoint because you can't just say like oh that's bad writing and you're like, why, though? And it's like, well, just because, you know, like,
0: like well, OK, I, I guess I should give an example of like bad writing. So, like, I don't understand companies, these massive companies who have these very valuable, very precious IPs. And then they hire writers who have either no passion for the story or the lore or the world. Or just literally know nothing about it like they don't they don't actually read the they don't read the source material They don't look at gameplay of the previous game. Like I don't understand Choosing someone who has no connection to your franchise to lead the next big project You should be putting it in the hands of a nerd who loves it who knows (laughs) a lot about it I I I can't give you I,
1: I mean we can I we can never get an exact answer today um, but You know, most problems like that usually stem from the top, you know, the top level business decisions that are more profit driven than creatively driven. So I think that in most cases, it's not because people don't want to, it's mostly because other people that are just looking at the profit numbers, you know, ultimately get final say on the decisions.
0: Yeah, but then it also comes back around too. it's just so short-sighted, right? Because it's like, okay, you have something that is beloved by a bunch of fans all over the world. They really love it, and maybe they're riding high on success of a previous game. Wouldn't you want to take your time to find the right people to make your next big thing? Like, Wouldn't you want to take some time on that process? If it is your big money maker you don't want to screw that up because you don't want to anger the fan base or disappoint them because that will in turn affect the money side of things so it's like why aren't you being more careful with these these ips that people love if you really cared only about the money you'd still try and find someone who's gonna do a good job with it
1: yeah i mean Yeah, easier said than done. I guess. But I, I would definitely make it a priority to hire writers that are in close contact with, uh, like, lore masters. That's an actual position that some people have, lore masters, lore keepers, and their job is just to be, like, nerds about a topic,
0: like, to just understand every fact. <laughs> well, and I mean, I like that, because even on, like, a, a micro scale, when you have, like, a TV show, you have people whose job it is – for like continuity. So like mm-hmm. this person was in the background of the previous shot. When we do a close up or we sh- change our camera angle, we need to make sure that that person is still in the background or or in it like a bad it, as a bad example, like the last season of Game of Thrones. I didn't watch it, but I mm-hmm. heard that continuity people like were leaving Starbucks and water bottle cup like they were leaving stuff on the set and nobody was noticing like the continuity people didn't notice i don't the, even know what like, happened I c- with that <laughs> i can't imagine so like i sort of see it as that when like what you were talking about with like lore masters like people whose job it is because it really has escalated quite a bit especially with these companies that will dig up older properties and then they have to maintain that continuity or just series that have been going on for forever like doctor who like, I cannot imagine trying <laughs> you to... You
1: can bet that they have lore masters
0: on yeah, that Yeah, I show. can't imagine <laughs> trying to keep track of all the lore that messing has been mess with time
1: built. travel and like old alternate realities. And yeah, it would be basically more difficult... Basically different characters yeah. than just the Doctor himself. <laughs> like... I feel like
0: it would be difficult enough to keep things straight with a linear timeline. Like, that would already be, like, difficult to pinpoint, okay, where was this character... When were they there? Why were they there? And, like, keeping track of all those threads, the bigger your property gets, the more intense that lore-keeping would need to become. Right.
1: I mean, like, in the case of, like, Mass Effect being uh, (laughs) three games, um, (laughs) I I know they had um, character writers. So they would have the lead writers, like Drew Carpich Mac Walters, and they would handle the bulk of the writing. They're the ones that dictate like how the story goes down overall. They work with the creative lead and whatever like lore keepers they have. And then to get into like the character drama of the series, they have specific character writers. That would be like this is how this character would respond to this. See, that's such a good idea. Or this is how they would fit into the overall story, you know. Like that way you have people that will always be consistent. Or at least theoretically they'll always be consistent with that character.
0: Yeah, and honestly, it's it's a little bit like I I can't remember. I think it was some video on YouTube talking about how Vince Gilligan like when it came to writing Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul, like some of the tricks that they used in the writers' room, like the writers were constantly asking the question like where's this character's head at? Like if you needed exactly. content, if you needed an idea for where an episode could go or how to push an episode concept, you say, okay, let's introduce X, Y, or Z, either a character or a completely random event or occurrence. Okay. Where's this character's head at? How do they respond to this? What would this character say about this X, Y, or Z? And I think that's so creative. Like I I think in more like popular culture like the whole idea of dungeons and dragons kind of going back to that of i was about to say that's how you, you could, craft npcs <laughs> yeah you could you could literally write a story using dnd to write it because <laughs> you i think it prevents characters from sounding too much the same i'll give you an example recently i've been going i'll go to half price books and i'll just snatch a, a random book off the shelf and i try to sort of vacillate between like sci-fi fantasy or even just regular novels that are just (laughs) just just whatever and I picked a mystery book up once and I read all the way through it and I read about three fourths of the way through and I was trying to figure out what was bugging me about this author's writing style because I was trying to pinpoint it I was like there's something off And I couldn't quite figure out what it was. And it took me till near the end of the book to get there. But I finally figured it out. Her author voice is the exact same as how all of the characters speak. (laughs) Like, all of her character dialogue sounds the same. They all sound like her author voice. Like, I I don't know. Because some author voice is very clinical almost utilitarian it's not very colorful but it gets the job done and they sort of save all that color and flavor for their characters but with this author all of her characters speak like she speaks as the author and i was like that's what's so weird about this is that i feel like i'm in an echo chamber yeah now every
1: character is just a weird extension of herself
0: exactly and it's like you i was trying to figure out what it was i was like there's something something's off and I couldn't figure out what it was and I was like they all sound the same they that all use work. the same like slang they all use the same sort of relaxed dialogue and like I was like that's what that's what was bugging me and so I feel like if you wrote a fantasy story based off of the events that occur in a D&D session obviously since you have other human beings and everyone's different and how they play their characters are going to be different I feel like you're in less danger of slipping into all the characters sounding or behaving the same or behaving predictably.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of baked into the game itself. Like, you know, just fundamentally, the rule books will tell you that, like, a gnome, for instance, is going to act just a little different than a half-orc. Just on a fundamental level. Now, there's two sides to that coin, because, you know, like, you shouldn't limit your creativity to the stereotypes of a race. And then, you know, you just got humans, and they're, the, they're like the, the everything race. You know, they can be anything. And then these other races just have to be more mystical or have to be more brutish. You, you, like, you don't want to fall into that trap necessarily, but it does kind of train GMs and players to creating diverse characters that aren't just, yeah, like an echo chamber of yourself. Like they can actually feel really different.
0: Well, now combining a couple of these things together, I just remembered, I completely forgot that you, you're the DM for a group of like Dungeons & Dragons, but is also like Mass Effect at the same time.
1: Yeah. So it's a 5e conversion. So Dungeons & Dragons 5e rule set converted into... Mass effect terminology and ultimately taking place in a Mass Effect setting. And how's that going? <laughs> we are thirty sessions deep. So Dang. we are pretty far in, honestly. That's, that's
0: a good sign. Has there been any like standout moments to you as the DM, like where your your heart swelled up with pride or like you got the reaction that you wanted from your players?
1: i'm definitely rooting for the players all the time i want to see their arcs get fulfilled yeah because i want a good them DM. to have their heroic <laughs> moments but at the same time i want them to work for it like yeah. you know like i think i think the best like tabletop session is when the gm beats the crap out of all the characters like to like single digit hp numbers or like really like gets like emotion out of your players yeah it's just like a game with friends like they actually get kind of like into it and that's that's when like the magic happens so i had like an arc where there's there's two races for context there's the quarians and the geth the quarians are an alien race that invented a sentient um like synthetic race called the geth to do menial labor that kind of thing essentially making them slaves Mm-hmm. But you know they're AI, so you know, or VI rather. Um, but yeah, they get kicked off their planet, and so when you when you the player get to Mass Effect, like the story of actual Mass Effect and the trilogy, it's it's a central conflict that gets talked about a lot. So one of my players is Aquarium, and her parents went missing. So. I was like, okay, so now I have the creative liberty of working with two missing parents that were on some kind of secret assignment, and the rest of the details are up to me, the GM. (laughs) (laughs) So my brilliant idea of how to spin that, she had no idea, was that they were sent back to the home world that's overrun with Geth, and they were performing secret experiments about how to end the in the war, how to end the conflict before it even begins. Oh but eventually their base gets overrun and their research involving, you know, like transmitting their personalities into the Geth consensus, um, they have to use that for an emergency situation. They have to transmit their own consciousness, consciousness permanently into Geth oh. units. So ah! they, she found a Geth dog. It was like a dog-like thing, and the only words it could say was "kill you." That's all it said. It just said "kill you." Uh huh. And like I was like, that could be really threatening as a player. You know, this weird thing you've never seen just keeps saying "kill you." Maybe I'll shoot it before it can do something to me. But i knew her i knew how she was anytime a character is even remotely cute or <laughs> or like she feels bad for anything it's like a game of pokemon to her she's just like <laughs> she has to them. add it
0: to her retinue of, she, of, she, she, ad- of characters. she adds
1: it to the collection so this thing that they start calling kill you is <laughs> uh, now one of her pets essentially that's
0: awesome
1: and they work with it to figure out like how Like how to find them and like how to retake their planet, and it turns out that the reason the reason that this thing can only say kill you is because in her dad's last moments before their consciousness was abruptly transmitted, is they were getting surrounded by Geth, and he said stay back or I'll kill you.
0: Oh, dang! And it only
1: captured his last sentence of speech. So. Wow. Yeah, then he they now like having unlocked them, they were like, "Okay, maybe mom's out there too. Maybe we can help her." She's in a big like tank geth, like a, like the biggest, baddest, scariest <laughs> geth unit. And it's actually the final boss of the arc. Damn. So, I beat the crap out of them. Like one of my players actually went down unconscious. Another player uh two other players were like on death's door and a couple NPCs were looking pretty rough too and it would have been so tragic because it's their mom it's their yeah. mom that's killing them and uh, but no eventually they barely barely managed to free free like the the reaper code like the bad code out of all these geth and turn them good that's but so now, cool yeah and the way my My players' role played that it was so great. like this level of like like we have them back, but like not quite the same as they once were, yeah, like, figuring out how to work this, how to make this work has been
0: so interesting. I'm so proud of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to be a fly on the wall for one of these sessions. It sounds like so much fun, oh my God. It's like
1: kind of like I know it might sound silly to some people, but like, it's kind of one of my favorite things I've ever done, because even though only our group really knows about it, we do actually have links to the privately listed sessions that we've recorded for this game. We only started recording like partway in because we didn't realize like how good this was going to be.
0: I was just going to say, you didn't tell me that you've been recording these. Yeah, they're privately listed, so they're not Dude. public. But no, that's, that's good. Link, that's, yeah. that's good. I'm glad yeah. that you need to keep, keep recording that.
1: Yeah, so I'm the GM. I run the game. This The Meg, the player that I was talking about, the Quarian player, does all the art. We do art for our characters and stuff. And then Natalie, my girlfriend, runs our social media presence. So That's so cool, dude. And yeah, like runs a page. Our, our ship is called the Stormbreaker. So there's a, a at Stormbreak crew on Instagram.
0: Okay. All right.
1: <laughs> uh, if you wanna see some of our exploits.
0: Yeah, that's so
1: cool. So- I think we're also on Twitter as well. Uh, she's the one that runs all that, so.
0: Yeah, I have to check that out. I had no idea that there was actual, like, evidence outside of what you've told me of this. Yeah. Because it sounds so freaking cool. It's a shame
1: we weren't recording from the beginning, because, again, we just, were just friends trying to do a cool thing.
0: What and, you should do is if, like, you ever want to you get that artist to almost do like a storyboard of what <laughs> you remember of the first couple episodes or however many before you started recording in like animatic form so just like panels like still shots sort of setting Surely, up everything that happens before i
1: definitely was thinking about maybe reaching out to you cuz i know you do like really awesome little art like you do i love your character designs that you come up with on like your your drawing account like oh thank you It's like one after another an inventive design that i like i was just like i'm amazed this came out of the same person's brain it's just <laughs> one after another it's just keeps getting bigger like the roster like it could be like its own like smash bros cast or
0: something like that's it could that's be, the like, plan dimension 1049 is growing it's just my character wastebasket where it's like i have this character i made in skyrim i beat the game well, I loved this character, so I'm just going to draw him and add him to the universe. Keep him. Keep the idea of him, at least. Yeah, exactly. I did the same with Fallout 4, ironically. I did the same thing with Dragon's Dogma and Destiny. Like, all these characters that I really spent time developing in my own head, I'm Mm. like, I don't want them to just exist in that one form. I want them to transcend that. So they get to keep... All the accolades and the things that they did but i get to sort of like open up a nice little portal for them to join my <laughs> cast of characters yeah i remember like when you made i had like a character
1: from mod nation racers if anyone remembers that game uh and you drew my character from mod nation racers and i was like okay his legacy lives on even though the servers are shut down in the actual game i'm not crying i'm not oh upset. i
0: freaking loved <laughs> your character design i need to do an, an updated version of that character because the whole concept of like a little uh like mechanic goblin type thing was just like a really appealing design but with like a fun like racer flair yeah like I'm my trying friends always to...
1: call them a toboggan racer i that's not <laughs> what i imagined
0: but you know no i need to i need to redraw that character because i i freaking loved that design like that idea like the the combination of those things were just so good I, I but yeah, literally... I'd love to see, like, if you guys ever did, like, an animatic or something, and it, maybe you, like, narrate it, so you have, like, subtitling, like, a black screen with the panels, and you just sort of do still shots that sort of fade in, and you get to sort of explain, like, the first, how many sessions before you guys actually started recording?
1: I think it was, like, 14 or 15, okay, so, like, so pretty like halfway. decent way in, so, um, you know, they started on Pluto, like that that's that's how they, cause the biggest, the hardest thing to write was just how to intertwine all these characters stories at the beginning, because I know like the best way to do that is to just introduce a shared conflict. You know, they all have combat together, and then they bond over that initial combat, or some tragedy happens, and they're all involved in some way. Like that's like the best way to to group a bunch of d and d players together. And uh, so, yeah, I had. <laughs> spoiler alert for mass effect i mean it's not much <laughs> of a spoiler they but like reapers do arrive these ancient sentient machines that come back to the milky way galaxy every like like every like hundreds of thousand years um i think it's 50,000 years but yeah they're they're caught in that era and they all have to escape this base on pluto that they were there for different reasons and they find this like prototype ship the, the stormbreaker and they just kind of are like okay well we're here now my girlfriend's character Piper just kind of assumed the role of navigator and I gave her just the galaxy map and was like pick where you want to jump to like to escape this creeper <laughs> that's and she so was cool. like uh, uh uh and I was like you have like a couple seconds <laughs> and she was just like uh uh this one this is this is far enough away and it was just like the middle of nowhere like <laughs> ah perfect <laughs> the rift is just it, it and it their ship was left like broken So they're left out just drifting in the middle of space, bonding with this crew they just met, and each other. And they had to make this, like, last-ditch effort, like, if this doesn't work, we're just screwed. Like, they had to get up this material called Element Zero to power their ship's, like, drive core to, like, get out of the system. And the only planet that... they had They had two planets they could have chosen, and they picked a lava planet... That was rich in izo. and as they were mining it you know you kind of get like biotic energy rubbed off on you if you get too close to this stuff
0: mm-hmm. and biotics
1: are essentially like the force from star wars okay know? manipulation of mass to do telekinetic stuff and it kind of wore off for most of the party members like once they were out of there it was fine but like for natalie's character it kind of stuck So it's like, uh oh, Uh does your character have biotic potential? Ooh, yeah. And now she's like trying to find her lost brother, who's also like some crazy biotic. And any time, once they found him, like they accidentally like touched, like and like just at the slightest touch, they both like, like essentially got flashbanged, and they like (laughs) got sent backwards. And so they have like this weird biotic connection. And I'm like, huh.
0: See, like, that this is the thing that I just love about GMs who know what they're doing, but I feel like it also, it goes the other way too, where you have to have players who, who know how to play D&D-esque games properly. And I think that comes from some players don't understand that the job of the dungeon master is not to create the stakes for you all it's by yes himself. Him. It's improv. It's, Right, it's like I you have to give me stuff to work with. Like if you want me to make stakes, I think that's one of my least favorite like I guess caricatures or archetype of a player where it's just I'm just here to be cool and do combat and do quips and I didn't take any time to develop my character's backstory because who needs that? It's like I can't that's create fine. All, I can't you create can... all of the stakes for you if you don't give me material to work with. Like it's okay if you know you
1: because the GM will have session zero and they'll kind of establish what kind of game they plan plan on running. And sometimes the answer is we're having a joke campaign and, you know, or we're just focused on having fun. And it's okay if you want to play the bard that is just aggressively, like, horny or, like, just, just full of jokes all f- the time, the, you know? The
0: bard who's just so, constantly hitting on everything and yeah, everyone. Yeah,
1: that, that, that's a – you can just – you can do that, you know? One of my players, um, Meg's husband Aaron, is a uh, plays a Krogan, a big, <laughs> essentially a big brutish space turtle. You know, <laughs> I like everyone. It. Like Natalie hands me six pages of backstory for her human sniper character. Uh, my, one of my other aquarium players, Jane, uh, plays Wan uh, Shilan. He's also a sniper, like infiltrator type. Um, uh, that's like three pages of backstory. So it's like okay, a little less, but still pretty in-depth. <laughs> I like where uh, this is going. Meg hands me a page, and okay. I'm like, that's pretty good. That's about what I would give somebody. Yeah. And like uh, Aaron gives me a paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> and but I'm at least it's like, something, right? You know? It was something, but it was literally like, I am a Krogan, I am old, I used to be a war veteran. That's kind of it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, okay. Don't know what to do with that. (laughs) (laughs) So just recently, like literally like a couple weeks ago, I found an arc that I think he would finally flourish in because for the most part, he's a little more checked out than the other players. Not to like bash Aaron or anything, but like, you know, he's the one that gets like distracted the easiest. He's the one that doesn't necessarily like... Offer like the emotional moments, where right. I'm his like, character's a little, little more disaffected by and I what's set something going on. up, and then you spike it back down, you know, like, yeah, 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 his yeah glorious yeah. fashion. He's more just like, you know, the presence that's always like the happy warrior type, yeah, you know, the big, lovable brute. And that's what he adds. So I finally found an arc where he could actually like explore some deeper character stuff because it is a they found a pirate planet. It's literally called Tortuga. <laughs>
0: Ah oh, yes, like, literally,
1: it's a real thing in the Mass Effect universe. Perfect. So they are on a pirate planet where aggression is actually rewarded and good manners are not Shunter. encouraged. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, like this, this, like this pansy, you know, yeah, like this wuss. Yeah. Versus, you know, if you if a bar fight breaks out and you crack a bottle over someone's head, everyone goes, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> Like, that kind of environment. Love that, love that. But so far, he's actually weirdly passive. Like, his other party mates are actually, like... Like, being a bit more chaotic than he normally is, even in this environment. And it's leading to some really interesting character stuff, where it's like... He's kind of entering this phase of, like, I'm just so old, I'm so tired of conflict, you know? Mm. It's kind of this route he's going down. I'm so proud of him for doing that like it's the first time i feel like it is truly like a yes and with him like I, I i presented these characters that would think of him one way and he subverted all of our expectations
0: i uh recently i i don't understand why youtube has a way of of recommending certain videos to be again and again and again it's like trying to get me to cave and watch it and the thing that bugs me is oftentimes it is something that I was like, oh, maybe, maybe I would. Like, that is something that I think is kind of <laughs> cool. Is the, that is the point of recommended feeds. You is, know, you uh, ignore most of them, but then
1: you're like, ooh. There's a the video thing.
0: about liminal spaces that I've been dodging that keeps on getting put in front of me because – I think that's the universe telling you you should at least watch some of it. <laughs> well, liminal spaces, that's the thing. is like – because obviously you got the back rooms, which is like a prime – example I oh, that's think, like yeah of liminal that... space but obviously the horror part is added in there but because i was trying to figure out i was like what what actually is liminal space and so i looked it up on the terminal and this is what this this website says uh it says a liminal space is a space between spaces a liminal space is a boundary between two points in time space or both It's the middle ground between two grounds, the mid-structure between two structures. When you're in a liminal space, you're neither here nor there, neither this nor that. At the same time, you're both here and there both this and that liminal spaces have liminality a concept borrowed from social anthropology the word "limen" means threshold in latin in some primitive cultures there are rites of passage to mark the transition of people from one state to another for instance transitioning from childhood to adulthood or from being unmarried to being married are accompanied by elaborate rites of passage in such cultures um and then i kept reading through it because uh, it it came up with a very interesting I guess example of what a liminal space actually is. Uh, it it says uh, physical liminal spaces. Uh, almost all of us when we were kids tried to walk on the bathroom or street tiles so as to not touch the boundary of those tiles. Those boundaries were the are were the liminal spaces between the tiles. So that that filling that's between the tiles those lines that's a liminal space. So that you just I, created
1: for yourself and right your so a, a physical
0: place that serves as a connecting place between two places is a liminal space for instance corridors connecting two rooms are liminal spaces streets roads airports train and bus stations connecting two destinations are liminal spaces so are hallways stairs and elevators all of these places are transistory places we're not supposed to stay in these places for too long unless of course you own a shop or something at an airport then the place <laughs> loses its liminality and becomes a destination the same thing happens when your flight or train is delayed and you're forced to stay. The place loses its original purpose and liminality. It both feels and doesn't feel like a destination. Something seems off about the place.
1: Oh, it's so interesting how it's like definable yet so abstract at the same yes. time. <laughs> See, that's
0: the thing that I find fascinating. And also just sidebar, like that's literally like half the time I'm walking around this, this office building, it's like a liminal space. Like hallways are changing. Nothing ever looks the same, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, you know, I have I have my theory that the building is secretly alive somehow, but I don't actually want to come across the truth cuz I might make my brain explode. But that was just something I kept thinking about was was liminal spaces cuz I was trying to I've heard people talk about liminal spaces and I I'm probably guilty of talking about liminal spaces without really knowing what the heck it means. I'm afraid I'm no expert either, but um, it, but yeah, but it's, it's something that I, though. I'm gonna have to read more about it because it's it's fascinating stuff, and like anytime there's like, I guess I'll I'll cycle back to this because it's something that I've asked previous like people who have been on the podcast. Right. I don't know why I stopped asking it because it's always an interesting answer. Anytime is as an example. So like if you could select a place to be completely emptied out of people with the exception of maybe you and a small group of friends but have an entire location or building to yourself where would it be so like as an example i've had people i had one of my one of the guests say like a fairground or a circus and i loved that uh one person said a museum uh, one person said an observatory i said Kosai. Kosai like, is a great
1: answer honestly That's like, like the kind of vibe I was Immediately thinking of Right
0: like lights on everything is Functional but there's no people Yeah Would just be so fascinating do you have one Because I feel like everybody has like a list of, of places where they'll travel as a Kid and just imagine oh if I had this place To myself that'd be so much fun Hmm I'm,
1: I'm, Maybe I'll, can I can I like combine like two Locations yeah Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you ever been to like North Market yes yeah okay think like north market so it's like just a collection of businesses all in a room Uh all together and we have a variety of selection to choose from but it's empty but the place we choose to occupy the space we choose to occupy is a cafe like a coffee cafe built into this north market-esque environment
0: i love how specific that is that's so cool
1: i love that it's just my brain that's my brain no absolutely (laughs) like
0: i I just love that that thought and i think adding the caveat of saying oh yeah if like other people were there because i think if you were all by yourself it wouldn't be the same (laughs) wouldn't be the same feeling i don't think if you were just walking around there was no one that's why i say like if you just had the run of a place for like a night yeah and there's like why the
1: idea of like other cultures other aspects of life being represented by these other like food stalls essentially but we choose to occupy just this one yeah in the same way that like how do you like to spend your free time you know um well i mostly choose it you know in various aspects of storytelling Var- various forms of storytelling is how i like to spend my free time whether it's Playing, uh, playing games, watching a movie, doing, running tabletop, playing tabletop, or reading a book or something. It's stories that are my main driving force outside of like, like, the grind of work. Like I want to keep advancing myself creatively and see what other people are coming up with and hopefully make it a collaborative experience
0: like it is with my campaign. So here's a fun question for you that almost broke my brain. <laughs> Using the strictest terms of liminal spaces because there can be physical ones but also non-physical liminal spaces when you do your your mass effect campaign the question becomes at a certain point is the campaign a liminal space between reality like for a minute you sort of escape reality into this other world but at some point for some people it's very possible that existence real life becomes a liminal space between sessions where they have complete freedom
1: it doesn't really take a session to make it like just like to make it so i've crossed since like another threshold if i'm understanding yeah. the definition like like i'll be like at work or just walking like just around or just minding my own business doing you know extraneous activity and i'll just think about the series like that's the level i'm at with it like there are a few things i would say i have like an obsession with but this would be like one of them i'd admit to (laughs) it's like constantly living rent-free in the front of my mind is how i like to describe it so valid um, valid (laughs) you know i'll just think about like all these things and before i had the campaign i even did this so the fact that they've given me an outlet for all this these creative ideas whether it's reminiscing on the actual series or what its future could be like or what i could add to it at some point i'm so glad i can have this opportunity to share it with these people even if like no one watches the rec- recordings even if we didn't even if natalie didn't run any kind of social media presence whatsoever like i would love to just share it with like four other people and like have that outlet So, I feel like that feeling of, like, disconnect that I just get from, like, essentially daydreaming about it, like, crossing (laughs) into a liminal space, it's like that on steroids in a (laughs) session. Like, I am not thinking about anything in the real world whenever we do that. Like, we are just there. And I don't know, I can't speak for the other's level of investment. But I'm sure
0: they feel that to some extent. That is so, so cool. And you know what? On that note, we're going to end off. I'm going to turn the recording off, just sort of let the terminal float away. You want to try and cook something in here? I can try. So
1: we have like our secret sauces, right? But again, all that is just written. I can't even read it myself. We can just sort of slap some stuff together, make a space cake. It'll be fine.
0: I, I mean, I can tell it's like certified. Like I see the check mark. Yeah, but I mean, like, some of these tentacles probably aren't connected to anything that's still alive, so I think we're fine. No, yeah, they wouldn't They wouldn't give us these if they weren't safe. <laughs> of, of course not. Our company is primarily concerned with, with safety. That's why they gave us the holy water. Right, uh, well, I mean, they <laughs> wouldn't have gave it, given us that. <laughs> only for me to
1: discard after i rinse my
0: my hydro flask <laughs> it's it's fine it's fi- all right we're gonna make a space cake uh but uh yeah so long everyone thanks for listening to this this podcast episode and uh uh thanks mitch for being on and i'll we will see you guys next time thanks for having me <laughs> <laughs>